snitches. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I thought you were just going to go, hello. <laughs> Would you like me to do that? Hello. That's the mind kind of thing. I know. When I get hoi hoi, I'm not that I'm hoi hoi right now. He's not. I turn into the <clears throat> ghost of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> this is basic snitches. Hi, I'm Tara. I'm the ghost of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> And today we are reading chapter 20, 20 of Green of Eggs and Ham. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. The 20th, the 20th. <laughs> I like that you tried to say it. And you were like, <laughs> The 20th chapter of Green Eggs and Ham is Xenophilius Live Good. I see, I couldn't even say it. This is Xenophilius. So, not going to be better than last episode, everyone. Sorry to ruin your party, but we still don't know how to speak English. Speaking is difficult. Yes. It's time for us to acknowledge our patrons, and those people are the people who help us keep the lights on, if you will. As y'all know, we don't have ads on this podcast or anything, so this little bit of support really helps go a long way. And they are Ashley, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. If you would also like to be one of our patrons and supporters, you can join at patreon.com slash basic snitches for as low as $5 a month at our Yo Basic tier or at our $10 Quen tier. Before we talk about that, do you want to guess winner or loser of chapter 12? I hope the winner is Ron. Uh Uh-huh. And the loser is Voldemort. You are 100% correct on both. Yes! Yes! Okay, this time we did not have to restart, okay? I just knew because my psychic powers are at 100 today. Absolutely, and it's not obvious at all, so definitely psychic powers. Not obvious at all. For example, I'm going to read Tara's mind right now. Yeah? You were thinking about potato-flavored hint water... No. <laughs> you are lying. Not potato flavored hint water. You need to work on your occlumency. How about coconut flavored hint water? Same. No. They always say coconuts are the potatoes of the warm climates. Where do palm trees usually grow? <laughs> In the warm climate. Yeah, see? Adam sent me a thing. I'm going to read it. Read my thing. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like I have your gunpoint. Chapter whatever this is. That's what I wrote. That's what he wrote. I forgot. Ron is back. A Horcrux is destroyed. They have the sword, and Harry has a wand, even though it's not quite as good at torturing spiders as his original. So things are much more optimistic, even if Hermione and Ron are still a bit distant with one another. Ron provides a bevy of beneficial information about what the world out there is like amidst all of this and what he's been up to during his leave of tantrum, including going to Shell Cottage again, since that's where someone went after the Seven Potters nonsense. I just can't remember who. So kudos to Big Brother Bill for being so understanding, and kudos to Fleur for still hating Celestina Warbeck. Hermione says one day that she wants to go to the Twitter headquarters to meet X. After all, that weird triangular icon keeps popping up all over the place, on gravestones, on Grindelwald, within the halls of Durmstrang many years ago. And then we find, even in Dumbledore's signature, the only person who they can readily ask since the internet hasn't been invented yet is Luna's father. They creep along the hills of Ottery St. Catchpole until they come across a house that's just whimsical enough to belong to the Lovegoods. They knock and Xenophilius comes to the door looking like I do on Friday night, stoned out of his mind. (laughs) At first, he's reluctant to let the trio in, considering that fugitive number one just showed up on his doorstep. But eventually they come in and see a delightful, quaint, and creative home with a loud racket upstairs. 
It would be tit for tat if it wasn't for a giant rumpet horn on the wall that Zeno insists belongs to the imaginary Crumplehorde Snorkak. Which... Is that really how you pronounce it? Snorkak? Yeah. Snorkak. That sounds like something that Bentley threw up. <laughs> Don't yeah. get any ideas, bitch. <laughs> which was coincidentally also my nickname in college. Yes. And there we have it. My the... horn is crumpled. <laughs> and there by we... that I mean my penis. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> And there we have it, the red flag. Anywho, they ask to see Luna to see what her thoughts are on her father helping them, and Zeno goes to call her outside, and as she's currently swimming for Plimpies, which is honestly a red herring, because since it's winter and Plimpies are not in season. Did I say swimming for Plimpies or you, fishing? You did, you said swimming. Well, there it is. <laughs> I meant fishing. I like swimming. He returns with tea. And swimming for Plimpies? Sure. That sounds like the name of a grunge album from the 90s. <laughs> Do you want to go back in time and become a band and create this album called Swimming with Plimpies? Absolutely. He returns with tea, interrupting Harry's looking in the direction of the burrow and imagining Ginny's butt, which, as we all know, has caused him some confusion. Which butt is best? Ginny's or Stout Bethilda's? <laughs> They say that they'd like him to shed some light on the symbol he was wearing at the wedding. And Xena replies with, Oh, you mean the Deathly Hallows? Oh, that's the name of the book! Oh my god! Stout Bethilda makes it's a good, it's a good butt. reference. I mean, I know Harry might have liked it, but I don't know if Stout Bethilda's butt is really that good. Especially if it's crumpled into right, dust. Right, I bet it's not good anymore. Stout Bethilda's butt is crumpled into dust. Yeah, it's not good anymore. That is a sentence, if I've ever heard Now one. he can only think of Ginny's butt. It has a predicate, and it has a subject. <laughs> what happens at the beginning of this chapter? Ron and Hermione are still not quite BFFs yet. Although, this is what I'm talking about, is like Ron's Ron optimism. and his like optimism, he's just like, okay, but we got one. He's trying. He's he trying. is so trying, and I love it. I do too. And yes, then we learn more things about what's been going on. He fills in on what he discovered. So that's when he brings up, how did you find out about the taboo? And Harry's like, we just sang it. <laughs> he also talks about Potter Watch. Yes. He tries to find one. I mean, not in this chapter, but... He tries um, to find, like, a station. Yeah. He tries to find one, is what he said. He tries to find a Potter Watch. He tries to find a Potter Watch episode. And all he does is look at Harry's wrist, and he's like, oh, there was a... There, there was all along. That that belonged to my uncle. That was that joke belongs in the trash. <laughs> honestly, he also kind of does what he did earlier in the book, which was talking about how mad I could maybe not be dead. And he was like, "What if Dumbledore sent that dough?" Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't write that part down because I was like, "All right." Harry's like, "Well, his his Patronus is a phoenix," but also it's like how Harry doesn't want to like make him feel bad about thinking this way because he's trying to be optimistic. Yeah, and that's very much what this is. Ron is kind of throwing some shit at the wall. He's trying to get people kind of like more optimistic and stuff. Ron does, in fact, say something like, "Oh, I thought it was you," and he's like, "Excuse me, my Patronus has a dick." And everyone knows what my Patronus is. Yes, the deer with a dick. The tear of the dick. This um, is also how we learned that Kingsley was almost caught by Snatchers. Oh, run. Yes. And then he also goes a little bit into the Deluminator. This is where he says, and once again, I do not remember all these extra Deluminator abilities, which is kind of crazy because it is <clears> in the movie too. This is where he says, well, this is perhaps why Dumble gave me the Deluminator because he always knew that I would 
probably try to leave you guys. And I think Harry is the Harry's, one who says, yeah. no, it's because he knew that you would want to come back. Yes, it's very, so very good. gracious. It's a really lovely scene between the two yes. of them. And I'm going to say it now, Ron actually says that in the movie, and I actually don't hate that. Because it's like, Ron is often the one who his lines go to yeah. someone else. And for Ron to be able to say that and make that determination in the movie, I kind of think it's cool. Yeah, I like it. Had they done what was in the book, I would have been like, that's great. But what they did in the movie was fine. Because it shows Harry's forgiveness of Ron. It feels like Harry forgave Ron immediately. Or fairly quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Because he needed that for himself, too, you know? Literally, the next thing I say, too, is just... Not that I haven't already said this already, but I just really love Ron's enthusiasm. The fact that Hermione also still deserves to be angry. I said at the end of the last episode, it's bears repeating. The fact that he did come back. We also learn, of course, like where he's been. He didn't go back to the burrow and he didn't go back to Hogwarts. He kind of pretty quickly realized that he couldn't really do that. And the whole shell cottage thing and all of that. But the fact that he did come back and that we saw how the Horcrux affected him. I'm going to put that to bed now because I've already talked about it enough. But like, no, Yeah, but I, I get yeah. what you're saying. I'm just team Ron through all of this. Again, it takes so much to be the person who is like, I was wrong. That's really the big thing here and why Ron deserves to be given this credit is because of what it takes to be the person who is like, I was wrong. Yeah. And admitting it and accepting it. He doesn't beg Hermione to forgive him. He doesn't beg anyone to forgive him. He's like, here I am, if you'll have me. Yep. And that is just a very mature thing that he is doing. Absolutely. I think all of it is really great. You know, there is, <laughs> speaking on his optimism, there are times where he, you can tell that he's kind of trying to be overly optimistic. Oh, yeah. And one of those moments is... But Hermione's like, we should go see Xenophilia's love good. And he's like, and he's like yeah, let's vote on it. That is definitely one of them. But the first <laughs> time that I think this kind of happens is at some point, he mentions, obviously, that maybe this is why Dumbledore gave me the Deluminator. They're then kind of talking through, well, then why did he give me this? Why did he give me this? And someone is like, well, maybe the point was that he wanted you to figure it out. And someone says that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, but oh, it does make sense. She says that doesn't make yeah. sense. But it does make sense. That's literally what <clears throat> you guys are doing. He gave you these things in codes, it's, and you're working through it. Maybe it was about the, the sort of Griffin. It's about the symbol. So it says, Dumbledore left me tales of Beetle the Bard. How do you know we're not supposed to find out about the sign? Here we go again. Harry's felt slightly exasperated. We keep trying to convince ourselves that Dumbledore left us secret signs and clues. And Ron talks about the Deluminator and says, and they says, I think Hermione's right. I think we ought to go and see Lovegood. And Ron said, it won't be like Godric's Hollow. Lovegood's on your side. And Hermione says, I'm sure this is important. And he says, but don't you think if it was, Dumbledore would have told me about it before he died. Maybe it's something you need to find out for yourself, said Hermione, with a faint air of clutching at straws. And Ron says, yeah, that makes sense. And Hermione says, no, it doesn't. But it does. It does. It does totally. Like, this is Hermione kind of pushing back a little bit. Or being a little bit too cerebral. Obviously, that's what he meant for all of this. Every single thing. And, like, you're figuring it out right now. Like, as you do it. There's something to be said for him giving these hints. And not being able to tell you all of the different bits and pieces. Well, particularly about the Deathly Hollows. Like that's well, the Deathly Hallows, and regarding the Deathly Hallows, that's the one thing that they have no idea about, that they're no. learning from scratch. I take a step back because 
There are so many issues with how Dumbledore did handle things. Unfortunately, even though I want an answer for everything, there are just some things that we might not know about, and that's why Dumbledore didn't tell us all the information. Yeah. I mean, that's just what it is. That's where they are. The best thing that you can do is come into the present and look at what you have and realize we do need to figure this out, because that's what Dumbledore set up for us. Well, and I think that the whole thing with the Deathly Hallows is after Malfoy Manor and Harry has to do the whole, like, determination between trying to find Horcruxes versus trying to find the Deathly Hallows and, like, what that is. That part of it was absolutely what Dumbledore intended for him to figure out on his own because he had to figure it out on his own. He had to make the determination on his own, and that was what Dumbledore wanted for him because he knew Harry would choose right. Yeah. And Dumbledore feels like his obsession with the Deathly Hallows was a huge downfall in his life. But he also wants Harry to understand that. And, like, that's explained in the King's Cross chapter and everything at the mm. end of the book. But, like... They should have called it the gay's tale. The gay's tale. We got Creature's Tale. We got the Prince's Tale. Okay. If you're gonna keep all the information in just a couple chapters, keep it consistent. Keep the title. One other thing I have to say before they go to visit Xenophilius, because I was thinking about it. And something that we are missing from this book is, I think, especially after the last one, is this personal drama kind of has to occur because we don't get the drama from everyone else. Usually, and I'm, I mean, there have definitely been awkward times when they're at Hogwarts and yes. there's disagreements. I mean, book six with Ron and the whole Goblet of Fire thing. Yeah. But... As a whole, like, a lot of the drama is happening elsewhere and with other people when they're at Hogwarts. So here, I think it we kind of need that sort of, like, relationship stuff. Because if we didn't have this here, it would be a little bit too tactile and a little bit too unrealistic, I think. Yeah, I think so. So it makes you just appreciate it a little bit more. And like I've already said a million times, Ron leaving was actually something that was beneficial to them in the long run. And it's all about growth for him, too. So they go off in search for the love good house. They're like, it's probably a weird house. Try to find a weird house. And this is where we learn that Ron did not go back to the borough, but he went to the Shell Cottage. That is true. Yes. And I was like, this was really, really, really tolerant of Bill and Florida to be like, sure, you can stay at our house during our fucking first Christmas married. Well, I suppose. But at the same time, like, look at the world around them. And that's what it, I mean, like, the two of them, they got married and their wedding reception was literally interrupted by Death Eaters. Right. Their marriage is not normal. <laughs> well, and at least it can't be now. The last time that Ron saw his brother was at the wedding. They disappeared. This is a way for them to connect. During the holidays, I would almost be like, it would be weird if your brother wouldn't let you come in and stuff. Well, of course. It's gracious, of course. And I think it's really, really nice. But also just realizing he couldn't go back to... Like, he can go to see Bill. Like, he has someone to confide in there. But he could never go back to the borough. I think that's probably the bigger thing. Yeah. Because we already knew that Bill is a stand-up guy. So... Bill's really cool. Yep. Only good stand-up guys have a weird earring, so... That's right kind of makes me chuckle a little bit is that they're going through these hills in Ottery, St. Ottery, whatever it's called, Catchbowl, blah, blah, blah. They're like, we need to look for the weird house. And I'm like, Ron, you literally live in a topsy-turvy stacking blocks house that is falling over. Like, right. what are we really looking for here? Somehow they come across, it's funny to look at it from our perspective where it's like, all these houses probably look weird as fuck. Right, because wizards don't actually know how things work. Right, well... 
And if we are going to a house of wizards that don't really know how things work, we got the poster child here who comes to the door looking. Now, when I say, like, he looks like me when I'm hoi hoi, I mean, I still take showers and stuff. He has not, he didn't very look, clearly. He, he did not look. He a crusty mouth. Can we talk about the fact that the most normal wizarding house we've been in in the series is Snape's? Yes, because at first I thought you were going to say Grimmauld Place, but Snape's no, Grimmauld Place is way more weird than yeah. Snape's house. Snape's is definitely more Snape, normal. Snape has the weird, has the normal house. It's and like crazy. Bathilda's house was fucked up. She a hoarder. I think that's probably true. Well, she's actually a pile of crumbs. <laughs> but you call her what you want. Well, she was a hoarder, and then she became a snake, and now she's a pile of crumbs. Yes. I like, I like that it's a pile of crumbs in particular. It just seems right for her. Right. It's what she would have wanted. It's honest. what she would have wanted. Honestly, when they show up and he's a little bit, like, standoffish at first, who can blame him? The n- number one fugitive just shows up at your mm-hmm. door. Like, you're going to be a little bit like, uh, what are you doing at my house? Honestly, I feel like this goes about his plan. Like, he kind of lets them in. There is this air of uncertainty here. Like, you don't really know what's going to happen. You don't really know if you can trust this guy. Like, let's say it had been something, and I do not know how it could ever become this, but let's just say that they did have to go see someone like Molly or Arthur or, I don't know, who's another adult that they know and love? That they could kind of like, you know, like the, yeah. obviously they go to Xenophilus because they don't have any options, and Molly would not have been able to help them with the symbol of the Deathly Hallows per se. So, this is just what kind of has to happen. But because we don't know, it, it's very interesting that it's a character that we just met this book and mm-hmm. we are already very suspicious of him. But you can't really blame him. No. And then, very quickly, too, it's he has some standoffish things about, like, well, I don't really want to help Harry Potter. And then they're like, well, that's what the quibbler, quibbler would say. What does Luna have to say about this? Because also, when they come into the house, like, despite it being kind of what you expect, it's a little bit messy, it's very charming and stuff, there's all this noise upstairs. So you kind of already assume, like, oh, Luna must be doing something. Doing something, yeah. But then she's out swimming for plimpies or whatever I said. <laughs> yes. He kind of takes this moment to go be like, oh, I'll go, like, shout for her to come home or something. Even, like, when they are listening from upstairs, it's like an open and a shut and it does just does not seem right it's interesting to me because clearly when that is happening and he's getting all the tea and stuff something is afoot he's yeah sending a signal to someone i'm assuming right yeah who is he sending a signal to the death eaters like how is he doing it i'm thinking he's sending a patronus but i don't know okay in the next chapter or the chapter after that you learn if he like sent word to whoever my thought show up because quite a bit happens following this basically they go through the entire tale of three brothers which is the next chapter spoiler alert yeah but that is a little bit lengthy like they have a pretty in-depth conversation if it was something more instantaneous i imagine like they would be there right there i mean let's look at what happened at now i just want to call it the field is hollow oh Godric's Hollow. Godric's Hollow. Yeah. That snake summoned Voldemort immediately. I think especially coming off of that, if the Death Eaters are aware, they would be like on that house immediately. Well, I mean, think about the connection the snake has with Voldemort versus Xenophilius and Death Eaters. Yes, and to be further devil's advocate, Xenophilius is a weird little boy. Yeah. So. They, and I, don't, I feel like when they come to his house in the next couple chapters, they're not in any rush because they're like, well, this fucking weird guy, he's not going to have anything. They yeah. kind of say that in the next chapter. Got it. After okay. That. 
So, yeah, they're not prioritizing anything he says. So it's interesting because Harry comes in the house. He doesn't even listen to what Harry has to say before he calls for them. No. I mean, his daughter is missing. I get it to an extent, but it's just very shysty. Oh, it's Everything very about shysty. Everything about it is shysty. So, like, you can't kind of blame him necessarily, but you can blame him. We have more to learn, too, obviously. Yes. Like, Funny enough, for the chapter about Xenophilus, I feel like we only get just a few pages about him. We really do. One thing to note about the Lovegood household is the rumpet horn. There's a rumpet horn on the wall. I think I said it in my thing, that's the red flag, and the fact that he's very much like, it's a crumple-horned dick fucker, or whatever, what's it called? Snorkak. Snorkak. I don't know why. That's a difficult thing to say. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss animal. It's like sneeches and it sneeches sounds, and snorkak. Sounds like something that comes out after eating Vietnamese food. Oh my God. Sounds wrong. Obviously, it is wrong, but it's just something about that word. It's really like fly off the lips. <laughs> Hermione like automatically noticing it, and she's like that literally could like destroy all of our lives in a second. I'm assuming that it's very like explosive. Yes. Xenophilus is like, nope, that's what it is. Sorry, lady. Okay. That is the biggest key of, like, this is who we're dealing with here, to me. Yeah. That's like, the red Like, well, we flag. know where we got it. A couple other small things here before Xenophilus does return. This is where he's, like, kind of, like, looking out the window, and he's like, ah, oh, Ginny is, like, right over there. I think it's just a cute little thing worth noting, like, that he's really, really noticing and thinking about How close that. he is to her. Yeah. yeah. And then I also just have to note that they have this hat on the bust of Rowena Revenclaw, and what a little bit of foreshadowing that is. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember the purpose of the hat, but I'm like, there was a thing on Rowena Ravenclaw's head, and if only they knew. <laughs> only they knew. <laughs> It's funny how much foreshadowing they have about that particular Horcrux, because, like, the other big question mark, of course, is the cup, and we don't get any foreshadowing on that. No, we just have the memory from book six. Yeah, that is true. Because it was Cupcake Bitch. She cupcake had Bitch, that's right. She opened her legs and the cup fell out, <laughs> if you recall. <laughs> so he returns, he has the tea, he feels a little bit more put together... Obviously, even if he was away for five minutes, he got quite a lot done. He brewed tea, he, you know, changed his shirt, put on some deodorant, brushed his hair, called the deaf ears, you know, called all the essentials. Ears, you know, all the essentials. And then he's like, what you doing in my house? And they're like, what was that beautiful necklace that you were wearing? Just, I need to know the artist so I can go get one. And he's like, the artist is the Pebble Brothers. <laughs> And we finally get the, the name title of the, of the fucking book. Chapter 20 is when we finally get the name of the book. I think it is honestly, like, <laughs> for a series that is so mature at this point, and for us to get the name of the title this late, and probably if you're a first-time reader, you being like, what? It is pretty, I don't really want to call Toilet Bowl intelligent or anything, but it is a little bit clever. It is clever. It, I mean, it keeps you waiting. Like, up to this point... I mean, you very well may be like, oh, what's the Deathly Hallows? They keep bringing up this, like, I I mean, there aren't even this many chapters in the first two books. Yeah, it's kind of wild. It's wild that there's 20 chapters in Green Eggs and Ham, and there's not even that much amount in the first two books. And that's it! That's it! So we get a cliffhanger! We sure do. It's a really exciting chapter next. I really love to talk about it. Yeah, I think that it'll be a good one. Basically, it feels like what the cadence is that we have lately is we have a really major chapter, and then we kind of decompress 
and reflect on that chapter and think of what's next. And then we have another big chapter, and then we reflect. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues, because I can kind of see that almost continuing to the end of the book, to be honest. I'm hoping that it stays that way, but I don't think it does. Well, maybe we'll get some a little bit more... Like, more more downtime or more craziness? More craziness. I think that's fine. I mean, we don't need to, like, pause and reflect every time we break open a piece of jewelry. Do you have a game? I do. What is your game? Playing Fuck, Mary Kill. Oh my god, the original. <laughs> the OG. Do you have one or multiple? I have multiples. Yay. <laughs> I have one, two, three, four. Okay, cool. What if you just kept counting? You were like, I have 19. <laughs> you came with 19, uh, they're not pairs. I will keep wanting to say you came up with 19 pairs of three things, which does not Pairs, happen. groups, trios. Trios. Fuck my kill. The wrong people to whose Doe Patronus came to Harry. Okay. And this was last chapter where I did both of them. That's okay. Ron, Dumble, and Kingsley. Oh my. Well, I think I'm going to kill Dumble because he's already dead. <laughs> so, sorry. I'm going to marry Kingsley and I'm going to fuck Ron. Those are exactly my answers. I feel like that is probably the most accurate. I would fuck Ron. I mean, if I like to do that sort of thing with people, maybe I have a good connection with Ron. There you go. Maybe Ron's my husband. Fuck you, Hermione. Ron's mine now. The next one. I'm gonna make that ginger snap. Ooh. What about you? Oh, you said the same answers. I said the same answers as you. Never mind. The next one is spells that Harry does with the Blackthorn wand. Reducio, Engorgio, and the levitating spell, which is when Guardian Leviosa is insane. He just he uses it. Thank you for reminding me about what the levitating is. In, in case you wanted to think about Leviosa, not Leviosa. I am going to marry Wingardium Leviosa. I am going to fuck Engorgio. So I guess I have to kill Reducio, right? Mm. I'm also killing Reducio. See, I, uh, the tricky thing is all three of these are interesting. My answers would probably change based on the situation. There are probably times where Reducio would be pretty fucking... Like, what if you, like, clog the toilet? You would oh. just be like, Reducio. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> well, first you would say that. <laughs> and then you would say Reducio. <laughs> but, yeah, you get my point. There's other instances. Like, what if you are trapped in a rock slide? You could Reducio all the rocks and escape. Like... Obviously, it's going to be beneficial no matter what. Because now I'm just starting to think, like, is Engorgio really better than Reducio? Maybe I kill Engorgio. Maybe I kill Engorgio and fuck Reducio. Hmm. I don't know. It, this is a difficult one. Oh, you're one. making me think. Does it hurt? Mm-hmm. Do. It do I mean, hurt. it is Friday evening, so, I mean, let's be honest. It probably hurts both of us. <laughs> I'm just, like, numb to the pain. <laughs> well, I was going to marry Wingardium Leviosa just because it's classic. I feel like I have to marry Wingardium Leviosa. I'll stick with my original answer, even though I don't know that it's right. I'm gonna fuck Engorgio and kill Reducio, even though Reducio definitely has good properties. Are you gonna use Engorgio to engorge it when you fuck it? Are you gonna Engorgio Engorgio? We'll see when the time comes. Alright, report back next time. <laughs> What's next? <laughs> um, next are the places that the weird rune appears. Dumbledore's signature, grave at Godric's Hollow, the tales of Beetle the Bard. I'm gonna kill the grave because it's used to that. I'm going to fuck Beetle the Bard and I'm going to marry Dumbledore. Yeah, that one. Marry Dumbledore. I was gonna marry Beetle the Bard. Let's be honest. If I'm marrying, I, why do we keep wanting to say Aberforth? Albus. Albus. Yeah, so much easier to say than Aberforth. 
for it. That's an expensive signature, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, if I married that, I feel like I would be, like, wealthy. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck that signature and kill the grave. The grave dies no matter what. Yeah. But, like, the book is interesting, too, so I'm gonna fuck it. Um, I like there are five. Oh, a bonus, the bonus. So, number four, things that are at Xenophilius Lovegood's house. An old-fashioned printing press, a wrought iron circular staircase, and an rumpet horn. Well, I'm going to kill your own horn. Yep. That sounds ding, ding. dangerous. And then I am going to marry that staircase because that sounds kind of like cool. Classy. And uh, by default, I think I have to fuck the printing press. But if it's an old-fashioned one, it's not getting like a really good dick down. It's just going to be, you know, I'll slap it in the face a little bit and spit on it. Same answers for kind of the same reasons. <laughs> and the last one is. Yes. Fuck, marry, kill. Creatures that the love goods are interested in. Plimpies, Raxperts, and Crumplehorn Snorkax. Alright, well, this is going to be challenging because... Well, first of all, Plimpies sound like what Stan Shunpike got all over his face. But Crumplehorn Snarks, 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 Snarks. <laughs> snarks. I feel like I have to kill them. Crumplehorn Snorkax? Yeah, because it, it's very obviously, like, all of these could be fictional. All of them probably are fictional. I think they all are. Because, you know... Grindelows and Nifflers and all of those are not very completely factual, real uh, animals. Absolutely real. Yeah, I think I'm gonna kill the, the horned fucker. Horned horn Sorkak. Yes. I'm going to f- fuck the Plimpies. Because they just sound like something that you're supposed to fuck. And I guess I'm marrying the Raxpert. I don't feel very, like, confident in that answer, though, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. So I'm going to kill the Raxperts because apparently... What is that? Are you pushing away? No, I'm like Are you pushing away the spirits in my house? <laughs> the Raxperts go away. <laughs> she, I think she was stretching. I was stretching. <laughs> <laughs> but it was very much like, like, push it away, push it away. So I'm going to kill the Raxperts because... What are you doing to that Crumplehorn snork fucker? I'm gonna marry him. You're marrying the yes, crumple horn snorkel? Yes, I am. Fucker? I'm gonna marry him. Why? Because, because you got a big old crumple horn and you like he, it like that? I feel like I feel like if he's real, we could be good friends. You and like that crumple horn. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if he's real, we could be good friends. Okay. I'm gonna fuck the plumpies. <laughs> I'm gonna fluck the plumpies. I'm gonna fluck the plumpies. Yeah. I don't know if you said fluck, but it sounds like to me. Yep, that. Okay. There you go. Uh, the movie, the movie. movie. We didn't get much. We didn't get much. But we, what we did get is a bit of an extension of what happened in the last one. We get one of the other best things that they added in, which instead of torturing the spiders, he does it to the flame <laughs> oh, in the jar. <laughs> and it is like the perfect way to cut the tension. We have not gotten kind of a comedic moment in a long time. So the, the, he engorgios the flame in the jar and then like shoots out of it. And very quickly, like, what does he It's really great. It's really good. The fact that they put that in was, good I humor. think, quite smart. Super good humor there. But this is also where he's like, oh, I forgot. You don't have a wand. Here you go. Just that whole thing. This is also where, shortly after this, Hermione's like, I'm going to go visit Xenophilius Lovegood. And Ron is even like, let's do a vote. Let's do a vote. I do still sort of feel like when I read it, Ron was a little bit more chipper. Yeah. But I still think it's fine. I think it's probably more realistic the way that they're 
acting to one another in a scene. Well, and also, like, the time. There's more time that passes in the book than in the movie. Yes, yeah, that's also very true. And, like, despite all that passage of time, I really feel like there are times in the movies where the passage of time is all fucked up. But in these past two chapters, the way they do it, I think, is very, very intelligent. I'm kind of impressed. And at the same time, I was thinking about this, too. They did split this movie into two so that Mm -hmm. we can get more details. So that's probably part of it. But that whole scene in the tent, I do quite like. I do, too. When they are looking for Luna's house... They are just, like, walking along some rolling hills, and they're like, there it like, is. there it is. It was not very challenging at all. Nope. <laughs> I love the way that the dirigible plums look. I do, I think too. It's super Those look cool. cool. I bet that they are delicious. Oh, yeah. Are you supposed to eat Absolutely. them? I don't know. But if you are, they're delicious. What, what's the sign? Don't step on Keep them? Keep off the dirigible Keep plums. Keep off them. Because what? Alexa, what's a dirigible? A dirigible, or airship, is a type of... Okay. Those are their floating plums. Yeah. I generally don't want to eat things that float, but I would eat that, I think. You don't? All I want to do is eat things that float. (laughs) For my birthday, I went to one of those float spas, Mm -hmm. and I actually set myself up with a membership, so I get a a float every month, because it was very relaxing. I loved it. I will tell you, if you are not familiar with, like, meditating and being quiet with your own thoughts... I would recommend that you practice that before you go for one of these floats because you are quite literally floating in this dark pod in silence for an hour. So you got to brace yourselves for that. But I was talking to my sister about how the week after Christmas I'm going back and doing it again. And that same day we are going to see Mess America, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure I told you about it. Mm -hmm. It's very chill, like steel pan music, and it's kind of like inspiring and... They have kind of like this visualizer program that you can watch it at, and it's at the Great Lakes Science Center in Cleveland. And so we're going to go see that the same day I'm going to have my my float. And I told my sister that's going to be a really relaxing day because I have my float in the morning. But every time I say it, it sounds like I'm going to take a big shit. <laughs> that was a really long story for that punchline. It was but great. <laughs> I was here for it. Anyways, yeah, dirigible, I feel like... That's mentioned in A Christmas Story, because Randy, the young brother, mm-hmm. has, like, that, like, Zeppelin toy at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those looks really cool. I will say, I do think my one critique is, first of all, I think that Xenophilus is a little bit too suspicious in the movie for me. Like, yeah, there's no immediately like, um, what the fuck's up with this guy? It's almost more like he's already sneaky and suspicious Mm -hmm. which i wish there was a little bit more of a pull there in the book it talks about like when he saw harry his mouth made a perfect o that was what i was watching for i was looking for some sort of like quirkiness yeah he's not really very quirky honestly no and the house looks like lived in and kind of messy and stuff like we expect but i almost expect it to be brighter as well you know? I didn't feel like it was that weird either. I kind of agree. Yeah, it wasn't, like, weird. Yeah, I want it to be weirder. Like, even being in the house, I'm like, no. You know how, like, in the book they describe, like, going into the big kitchen and then they go up the stairs and then it's... 
But, and there's, like, art and color and Mm -hmm. all these, like, you could tell that there were, like, projects that the son and daughter did. Like, when reading it, you can really imagine the life that they have together. Yeah, and you feel Luna there, even though you don't see her. Yes, exactly. You don't have that at all in the movie. Yeah, so that is a little bit of a disappointment to me. But otherwise, I still think that it does a pretty good job. It's pretty decent. I still think that the last chapter was probably a little bit better, but I'd still give this a solid A minus B plus. All right, yeah, it was pretty good. Let's see, let's see who I'm giving actual grades to. <laughs> Once again, I'm not taking any points away. Ooh. So we've got two very positive chapters here back to back. Something tells me I'm going to take points away in the next episode. Probably, or the one after. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting another 20 to run. <laughs> so he is almost completely redeemed himself, I think. And it's just because he continues to be positive and he continues to be helpful and... You can kind of tell that he feels bad. Oh, yeah, he, he does. He knows that he fucked up, but like you said, saying that you were wrong and admitting to it is so brave. And so I still gave him the most points. I gave plus 10 to Bill, too, for being a good older brother. Yes. That's exactly what we expect of Bill. Mm-hmm. I also gave plus 5 to Fleur because she has to deal with Ron <laughs> for Christmas. I give five to Hermione as well because her kind of like pushing their along, wanting to go see Xenophilius. And I do actually give five points to Xenophilius as well. Well, I mean... His daughter's missing. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not an easy time for him. No. So I will announce that Xenophilius is now the only character in this book at zero. I will also say maybe the first book or even the second book has less. But there are very few people on the points list, this book. Because, mm. truly, we haven't really seen a ton Right, of we're spending all the time with the trio. Yeah, and a lot of the people that I've given multiple points to, we've seen multiple times as well. Yeah. So, Xenophilius is at zero, but something tells me he's not going to remain there. Now, the funny thing is, if he does remain there, all of the people who have zero points throughout the series will be fathers. Because <laughs> it'll be James, Amos, and Xenophilius. Oh, Jesus. But something tells oh, me that Xenophilius isn't allowed in that exclusive club. That so. exclusive club. Next time, we will be at chapter 21, 21. which is called... The Tale of the Three Brothers. Oh, we're going to get a story. I'm so excited for story time. We are also definitely over the halfway point in this book. In fact, I believe we have ten more recording sessions until our wrap-up. That's nuts. That is nuts. Now, at the same time, we still have a lot to get through, and we have some special episodes coming up. Mm -hmm. So, a lot to look forward to, but we're getting there, ladies and germs. We're gonna do it. Yes, we are. So, tune in next time. Yep. Get lit. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Tarantelegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!